Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. A little different day for us, but we're talking some USC football as we always do. And we got the coach, Harvey Hyde, here on the podcast. We got him on the line. We're going to talk to him about some interesting topics today. And uh, we'll get into all that in just a second. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. He's also on the Instagram if you want to check him out there uh, at Coach Harvey Hyde, check him out at all those social media locations and, of course, his website, HarveyHyde.com. If you have any questions or comments for us here on the podcast, throughout the offseason, you can email us, podcast, at uscfootball.com. If you'd rather call or text, uh, you can do that, too. Leave a voicemail or send us a text, 424-254-9141 is the number. We've got a voicemail to play for you today. We got for the coach. And speaking of the coach, he is on the line, like I said. How are you doing, coach? What's up? I'm doing great. And I want to wish all you dads and fathers out there a happy Father's Day. I know it's a little late, but I didn't have a chance to do it earlier. So happy Father's Day. I hope you had a great uh, day with whomever you love and got that call in to whoever you love and the whole package. So here we go again, Ryan. Here we go again, coach. And it should be an interesting show. we got a few questions, but... One of the topics I wanted to start off the show with, Coach, is uh, the concept of discipline and team discipline, and it's it's certainly been a buzzword around USC football, and when Lin Swan uh, gave his statement to uh, say that, that Clay Helton was coming back, and he talked about all, the, I think he gave five different points of things that needed to uh, be improved, one of them was discipline, and uh, you know, I'm going to get into this a little bit. I got asked at the Trojan Football Alumni Club golf tournament. There's a lot of former players there. Some, you know, recent grads, like as recent as Malik Dorton, who just graduated, um, and then guys that have been around uh, forever. And one of them asked me about what I thought about uh, team discipline. And I, you kind of go into when you, the first thing you usually think of is, is penalties, and that's certainly been something that USC – had issues with last year, Coach. I mean, if you remember the Arizona game, uh, 18 assessed penalties in that game. I think there was 20 called or something like that. There was a bunch more called uh, that that weren't accepted. Um, pretty bad. That's uh, a you know a huge number of penalties. And USC ended up being one of the worst penalized teams in the country. Uh, but I wanted to get what your thoughts, Coach, are on team discipline. And I'll give I'll, I'll I wrote down some of the things that this former player said. I'm going to keep his name anonymous, but. Um, about team discipline, and we can kind of discuss that a little bit. But what what are your thoughts, Coach, when when someone talks about team discipline for you? Well, uh, team discipline is what wins football games, and what uh, the respect your players have towards you, and uh, what you expect, and they follow that leadership. And uh, basically, when you mention penalties or you mentioned things that kids don't do or blown assignments, you just explain to them, son. Uh, you won't play at USC if you continue that. We don't need that. We won't win with that. Everybody's trying to beat us, so uh, we're not going to tolerate that. So learn to play the USC way or you won't be playing. 
Also, I think it's on the field as well as off the field, the way you represent the university, the way you dress, the way you talk, the way you appear on television, your interviews, everything you send out. The whole thing is more or less team than me, and I see more me right now than I do team, and I think that's very important too. And I think that pulling on that rope the same way is what everybody should be doing not worried about how much playing time you're getting, but worrying about if you're getting the W or the L. And I think that's part of the discipline and also the discipline that you have riding the bus, riding the plane, how you treat the stewardess, the attendants on the plane. You want everybody to say after you leave, you want them to say, hey, that was a great group of kids. We'd like to travel or be on that charter with them all the time. Same within the classroom and everything you do there and the respect that you give people away from football or with football and parents and everybody else it's you got to know what you represent and who you are and uh you know you mentioned uh, if you have too many rules and regulations uh then uh it's uh you can't enforce them all but you have the main ones and you make sure that you strongly enforce those and kids understand it's for our best interest not uh, your best interest but our best interest as a team and I think it's very important. I mean, you don't have to push guys, and you don't have to tell guys that, you know, don't dance or don't jump up in the air or don't do all those things. At USC, we don't do that. We hand the ball to the official, run back, and get ready for the next play. I think there's a lot of ways of showing class through discipline. And I think that's uh, something that if you watch great programs and you watch uh, the way they're taught and the respect and the way they wear their uniform and the way they talk to people and treat the officials and and all of the above uh, i think that's what discipline is discipline is pride discipline is doing the, it the right way and uh, you know if guys don't want it to do it the right way they won't play yeah and that's in penalties dropping passes uh, not being a team player the whole package yeah coach and I, there was uh i mean there's this kind of old school discipline and sense and, and I don't know how prevalent it is now in college football if if teams like Alabama and stuff are doing that is everyone wearing the same colored socks and is everyone all you look the same it's hard to hard to say I don't really cover those teams as much there's definitely been a looser sort of attitude around USC but is it do you think it's more of that's just the way college football is now or that's the way USC is and they probably shouldn't be that way well, it shouldn't be that way. I think it's because you allow it. Uh, you allow uh, looseness. Uh, you don't uh, say this is the way it is and this is the way we dress and this is the way we practice. And If you allow it, then kids go farther and farther and farther. You can't allow it. You've got to be on the field. You've got to be dressed properly. You've got to have the right color socks on. You've got to do things the same way you do at game day. If you don't do it every day, you know, you're not going to be able to play the type of football that you're expected to play and perform at. And I think it's part of everything. Uh, everybody's looking for individualism. I mean, can I wear one uh, sock that's one color and the other sock the other color? Can I wear yellow shoes? Can I uh, leave my jersey half out and half in? Or wear uh, a hoodie under my jersey and all these things at practice? I mean, man, come on. Next thing, they're going to be wearing sunglasses out there on the football field <laughs> with their helmets on. You know, kids will go. As far as you let them go, and you've got to let them know that this isn't tolerated. This is the way it is. Now, if you want to go to a school that does that, you should have thought of that before, and you give that example when kids come and watch your practices. 
And all of a sudden, you'll see your kids take pride in the way they dress and the way they run for a touchdown every time they catch the ball and the way they do different things the Trojan way. And, uh, you know, I think this is don't be like everybody else. Let everybody want to be like us and uh, set an example for what we need to do as far as the way we dress, the way we wear our hats, the way we do everything, and helmets on on the sideline. Uh, yeah, well, speaking of helmets, um, so I talked to a former player who was, you know, from the, like, uh, late 80s, early 90s, same, same kind of era that I was at uh, USC, and when he told me what he thought, about team discipline. I immediately thought of you. I was definitely uh, a more of a feel of an old school uh, kind of mentality, but you know, I think there's still, te- you know, teams like Alabama and stuff that do that to this day, but I wanted to read uh, what I, 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 uh, had, I wrote down what he said. I want to read uh, some of the things he said here and get your thoughts on it. Coach. He said, chin straps unbuttoned during plays and on drills, mouthpieces, not in during plays and drills, Slow, lazy jog coming off the field during substitution. Helmets thrown all over the place during walkthroughs like a yard sale. Bandanas hanging out of helmets. Fancy look at me skull caps or anything else that is not in uniform but is, and he quotes, uh, it's all about how I, how sweet I look mentality. This Mimi culture leads to lazy play, dumb penalties, and really good players not reaching their potential to be great players. Hence why our four- and five-star players don't play as well as Alabama's four- and five-star players. Um, Any thoughts on all that, Coach? I think he's right on. I think that's why they won so many national championships. And, you know, uh, USC's second home was the Rose Bowl. They played more Rose Bowl games than anybody else. That's because they they believed that, and they played for that every single year. And they didn't do it the easy way. They did it uh, the tough way. You didn't have to talk about discipline at USC. You were afraid not to, to do it the right way. Why? Because it wasn't tolerated. And it shouldn't be tolerated. I mean, there's not many programs that are like USC. And if it continues to loosen up and get looser, all they do is talk about how hard they're working. You don't need to talk about how hard you're working. If you haven't been working this hard before, what's been wrong in the past? Maybe that's prob- part of the problem why you're not winning, and maybe it's part of the problem in all the other things that this ex-player talked about. I mean, uh, hey, you know, uh, things haven't changed. Coaches and kids have changed because people have allowed them to change and all these club activities they have and, you know, traveling around and being a star before their star and announcing their commitment on national TV and all of that kind of stuff. Okay, I get it. But once you come on campus, that's all over with now. We're feeding you. You do it our way. So, uh, you know, I just think that. I believe that. It's not old school. It's real school. It's the way you do it if you want to be successful. I tell you, you're going to the battle when you play in a football game, and everybody's trying to win, not just USC. Yeah. Um, one of the – when we were talking before the show, and uh, we had Dan and Keely on – Yesterday, and if you follow social media at all, uh, new USC strength and conditioning coach Aaron Osmus has been uh, really vocal on social media, posting pictures of you know lifting heavy weights and eating steaks, and uh, you know hashtag strength training, and all the players are coming off these workouts and tweeting how hard they are, and there's just uh, definitely a sense of uh, it's a different feel. You know, it just feels like this program in the off season is going in a different direction. And it seems everything I've seen out there is, is pretty positive coach. Um, 
Now, I mean, there's a, it's a lot of talk and a lot of it's like pictures and stuff on social media, but what, you know, you, I'm sure you've seen a lot of this too. Uh, what are your thoughts on what USC has been doing this off season and, and the uh, strength and conditioning program and all of that? Well, you know, I think it's good that you're working hard. That's what you're supposed to be doing, you know, but you don't have to be telling everybody about it. That's just part of what the program is all about. I think he's doing a good job. I don't know him personally. I think he has a lot of pride in the program and, and what they're trying to accomplish. I think he recognizes that they do need to be more disciplined and work harder and so on. They do need to do it as a group, not individuals, and all the things that are necessary to to become. uh, It's a huge part of the program. You have more of an off-season than you do a regular season as far as during the season, so you can get better during the off-season. You have more time than you do during the season. But I think you've got to be able to concentrate and want to do it, not push to do it. You've got to want to do it. You got to want to get faster. You want to want to get bigger. You want to uh, do everything it takes to uh, be at your best. And it's your job as a coach to motivate these kids to reach their potential. So I think that whatever the program is that he's doing, of course, has to be approved by Coach Clay Helton, as I said before. And I think it's got to be related to all football as far as how it helps you as a football player, not a weightlifter, as we've discussed that in the past. And uh, it's got to be strength, endurance, quickness, the whole pack, uh, uh, whole package. Now, I haven't been in the room. I haven't seen him work out. All I do is see all the social medias and stories and so on. But I think he said it best a while back. He said they're soft. And they were soft. I've said that on all our podcasts. They've been in a soft football program. And uh, they've got to get more physical. And you can't talk about it. You've got to become it. You don't breathe that into somebody or make them be tough. Or physical, they got to be that way and want to be that way, and they're they're born that way, and uh, you know that's just the way I feel. Oh uh, yeah, no, and it's uh, it, it's interesting. There's there's a whole bunch of different ways you can run your strength and conditioning program, and I think you've probably had different strength coaches over the years, and they have different sort of philosophies. Um, I don't know if it if you're going one direction where maybe it's more like movement and. Uh, you know, idle battles or whatever, you know, was going on before. Now it seems to be, you know, for Aaron Osmus, it's like, Hey, but his focus is now on just is raw strength power and, uh, you know, eating steaks, like really sort of an old school kind of feel. Um, but then, yeah, I guess you run the risk of, do you have a bunch of what, you know, lit weightlifters and not football players. So I'm sure there's just different ways to do it, but I think this is a, a way that's energizing some of the USC fans because they like seeing that, like, yeah, lift lots of weights, eat steak, like, just go crazy. And I, it seems like it's at least working uh, on that aspect, Coach. But, I mean, I'm sure you've had different guys that just had different philosophies of, you know, I don't want to see huge bench pressures or I want to see this or that. They just have different ways of, of trying to make your team better. Well, I think steaks are great, but, too, uh, you can't you can eat too much steak. I think they ought to rely, too, on their nutritionists. Uh, they have several of those over there on what uh, gives you the best performance, strength gating, weight loss, the whole thing. Just eating steaks, if that's all it took, I'd sit down and uh, eat one every day, and maybe I'd live to be 120. But uh, I think it takes a little bit more than that. I think uh, talking it is, is not what gets it done. You shouldn't worry about what you're going to eat. In fact, Jerry Tarkanian made this quote to me once when I was at UNLV. I said, Coach, what do you feed your players Uh, at the pregame meal. And he told me, he says, whatever they eat on the streets, he says, that's the way they've always been. 
I give them per diem. They go and eat wherever they want. McDonald's, if that's what they've been eating all their life, I let them have that before the game because that's the way I recruited them and that's the way they perform. I don't want to put something in their stomach that they're not used to having and then they feel lazy or they don't feel good or whatever. Now, I'm not suggesting that. I'm just telling you when you talk old school, that was Jerry Tarkanian's philosophy and he's pretty successful at that. But I think you have nutritionists, uh, uh, and that's great they're eating steaks or whatever they're eating and so on, but is that the best for them? And uh, I don't know if it's an easy digestion type of thing and all the above. I know they don't have them any longer for pregame meals, so I would think your body becomes accustomed to what you eat before you perform. And it's the same thing about game time. Uh, That's why I was arguing about uh, what time you practice and when do you play the games. I think that's relevant as far as your body getting used to functioning at high-priority times uh, when it's used to it. So, you know, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying I'm not sure that makes a difference. Yeah, uh, probably, you know, it's hard to say, but just it's it's just different ways to do it. And uh, I think, you know, you you bring in a new new fresh blood as far as your workout routine stuff goes. You might energize the players and get them to work harder. I mean, who knows? But... Um, definitely, certainly, uh, it's it's going in a different direction right now than what we've seen uh, over the past couple of years. Uh, let's go to a question uh, from Tommy in Salt Lake. He said, I want to ask each of you, now that Brew McCoy and Chris Steele have enrolled and our program is continuing to turn around, can you give me a percentage of probability that JT, uh, JT Daniels will start at quarterback against Fresno State based on what you know today? Thank you. That's Tommy in Salt Lake. Well, Tommy in Salt Lake, if if you've been listening to our podcast, and we thank you that you do, uh, at the end of spring, I would have started uh, Jack's Sears. You heard me say that. Uh, I still believe that. Nothing has changed as far as the program is concerned, as far as who would be the starter in this offense or even in last year's offense. I think he's a leader. I think he's a different type of guy. He's he shows me uh, what I would want as far as my quarterback. So right now, until uh, we see what the selection is as far as the, from the coaching staff, at the end of spring, uh, I would have taken Jack Sears. And uh, nothing has happened this summer that would change my mind in that whatsoever. So right now, I, I think that uh, he would be my guy, not that JT Daniels uh, uh, isn't uh, a prospect or can play. But I think that uh, if you evaluate everything and where the team moves the football and how they move the football and everything along with it, and again, I've got to see exactly what the new offensive coordinator and how he really puts the packages together for this coming year uh, happens. I love to hear the optimism around USC football. I love to hear that. I think it's very important with McCoy coming back and Steele coming back. Uh, But uh, they're not going to make a difference in next year's football season. Uh, you're gonna. The, what's going to make a difference in next year's football season is what was there in the spring, and what player might come in in the fall that's just a phenomenal player that impresses the coaches. And you better not keep him off the field because you better find a way to win every game if you can. You're shooting for that every year, so you've got to play your right players and you got to get them on the field and you got to uh, motivate them to get it done. So uh, I think that's what you have to do. And currently, right now, nothing has changed in my mind as far as who I would start if the game was tomorrow. 
Yeah, Coach, you made it kind of clear a month or so ago. I think we were talking about this. Uh, just for me, Tommy, I would say there's a pretty high percentage, maybe 85% that JT Daniels is, ends up being the starting quarterback. Something you know crazy could happen. Just the way it's going right now, my guess would be uh, that JT Daniels ends up being the starter for Fresno State. Uh, we'll see how that you know uh, follows through throughout the summer. We can't really watch the uh, summer uh, throwing sessions, the player run practices, but we'll be able to watch again in fall camp and give you a better assessment uh, then if something changes, if uh, you know any of the other quarterbacks, you know, like Jack Sears or whatever, kind of step up and looks like they're taking the lead. Then you know we'll talk about it then. But um, just my guess right now from what they're doing, I, it seems like that they're heading down the road where JT Daniels would be uh, the starting quarterback. Um, we had a so last week, Coach, we had a voicemail uh, that from Curtis Marino Valley, but didn't come through. He uh, called back to kind of make it clear of what he really was talking about. So I'm going to play this for you and get your thoughts. Here you go. Hey, Ryan Curtis from Moreno Valley. Sorry about the bad connection last time. What I meant to talk about was ongoing recruiting. If we got the best player from St. John Bosco and the best player from Martyr Day, we already had a quarterback from Martyr Day and the next quarterback that is the number two dual threat who's a recruiter himself. We could get a pipeline to a lot of very good players from those two. Those are the best two high schools in the nation. And we got their best players already. That's what I was talking about. In the future, the next class, the class after that, we need to, to go after California big time. We got the best players. They are the recruiters also. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Well, Curtis, thank you very much. Uh, I agree. Uh, those are two great high schools. And uh, if you tap in with their players, you do have a great opportunity, a chance of being a better football team because football is all talent not coaching yes it is coaching as far as taking that talent and putting them in a position where they can win and helping them win i think right now if you look at usc they're focusing on southern california i don't know they are recruiting some players out of state but i don't see the emphasis any longer right now from georgia or florida or texas and of course i'm not gerard martinez i don't do it every minute every day or go to these weekend camps or so on but I would think that the emphasis has always been California for USC. And you've lived with it. Uh, you've won with it. And I don't see any reason why you have to change from that. There's great talent. The only problem is schools have come in and taken the great talent. They're starting at Ohio State. They're starting at other schools throughout the country. And uh, Oregon, other places, not that Oregon doesn't have a great school and program, Washington and so on. But those schools used to get what USC didn't want. So I, I think that the emphasis has to be there, and I think the tradition and kids wanting to play at USC is where it is. And it all starts with the program, the discipline, the winning, the attitude, and the, uh, what do you want to call it, the uh, tradition of players recruiting players and being happy and not leaving or going other places, maybe being happy, being a backup and waiting for their opportunity rather than trying to compete and take the easy way out. Uh, so I, I think that USC is the program in the West, okay? And they can maintain that if they get the W's and they do what's necessary to win. 
And uh, but uh, it all comes down to uh, trust as far as from the players, watching the players that go to USC and how they progress and do they get drafted and are they going in the first round and are they winning? All of the above. Because kids today think they're all going to play on Sunday. And uh, I, uh, it's sort of scary because everybody isn't going to play on Sunday. But, again, it's the experience you get and the opportunity of maybe going to a Rose Bowl and having a win or a national championship with a, with a ring and uh, maybe being happy as being a backup but getting better. And if you notice in the past, many backups at USC are now playing or have played in the NFL. Why? Because NFL teams know they get better every day and great talent is at USC. It's a great bank for talent. So don't run from it and hide. Ask to get into it and compete. And I think the players that run away and hide, uh, they don't want to compete. Yeah. And I, you know, I agree with you, coach. And uh, Curtis, the, the thing is though, you're talking about, those are programs that have put a lot of players uh, into USC. USC has already established those pipelines. It's not like a new thing, like USC recruiting modern day players or anything like this is the way it's gone. And like coach said, USC is the program on the West coast and it's, it's different. USC is like the Alabama, but if Alabama didn't have LSU and Auburn and Georgia and Tennessee to like worry about around Florida around them, um, you know, you can have an Oregon come in and take some guys. You can have a Washington come, but USC is going to get the majority of those five stars like they normally do on the West Coast as long as you're winning. You know, if you and it's not even like one bad season is going to derail it. Now, last year was a bad season. Uh, the worst recruiting class we'd seen. Uh, Clay Helton being under the, you know, on the hot seat and all that kind of stuff. And they still end up getting two of those guys. They didn't sign in in uh, December or February back. Uh, as transfers. So there's just, there's this gravitational pull towards USC. If you're a highly ranked player in Southern California and USC has to win and you can keep guys home. I think Pete Carroll started that tradition. He made it cool to stay in Southern California and stay at USC. Um, you're seeing Clemson come in, you're seeing Alabama come in, Ohio state come in. Uh, but USC is still going to be the team to beat for those. Even if USC's you know, two notches below them, as far as the college football pecking order goes, USC is still going to be the place to beat because it's local and it's, you know, you're going to see guys leave the state and then come back. And we've seen that happen just, you know, in the last couple of weeks. Um, but you got to win and you got to show that you can develop players. And there's a lot of things you can negatively recruit towards USC. But Curtis, this isn't a new concept. Like there's not starting some pipeline by getting those players that, that those pipelines have been established. You just have to keep going and maintaining them. And as long as you're winning, I think you will continue to, and you know, you recruit those schools hard you will maintain that. But when you lose and like they did last year, then you, there's some, you know, chinks in the armor and there's some you know, potential to, to lose more players. So uh, get back on your winning ways. And I don't think you're going to lose those guys. Well, that's, that's part of it. You know, it still has the name, a Trojan. I mean, the two players, they just got commits on a week ago, Jurgensen and Wright. Uh, they hadn't uh, offered them. Uh, I talked to other PAC 12 coaches that have, uh, known about these kids for a long period of time. Uh, one's a project, and the other one, if he was at Bishop Gorman High School or Modern Day High School, he'd be a five-star, and, and he'd be recruited by everybody in the country. Uh, USC has him to a camp, or they visit him or see him. They offer him a scholarship, and all of a sudden, all these other schools that have been working so hard on him, 
All of a sudden, they say, yep, only USC can come in and offer him. And the kids are saying, it's been my dream to go to USC. It's my dream and so on. I'm committing now. I thank everybody else that's been recruiting me. These guys have been working on him for months. They visit USC one time, two times. USC offers him, and they go. And I'm talking about this right kid. He's a, a great-looking kid out of Bishop Manoog in uh, uh, Nevada, 6'7", 290 pounds or whatever. Great-looking kid. Specimen, if he was at Bishop Gorman or Modern Day or one of these types of schools to get all the national publicity, he'd be a five-star being recruited by everybody. Now, Jerkinson's a little bit of a project. Uh, he's got a red shirt. Wright uh, will be a great player someday. He'll play in the NFL someday if he's coached right and matures right. But uh, that's the way USC is. They all tell us, man, there's no secrets. All of a sudden, we've been working, and all of a sudden, here comes the Trojans. And all of a sudden, they march in there and offer him, and all of a sudden, they were ahead, and all of a sudden, they're behind in the kids' committee. Yeah. Um, it's uh, you got to stay out ahead of this, and uh, I think winning – is a key factor for all that. Gerard's been saying that for a while. And uh, there's a lot of guys in this recruiting class that it doesn't matter about the pipeline as much. It's more about, do they want to come to a winning program? And, you know, it, it could be that the team's kind of mediocre and then they don't want to come or that the team wins a bunch of games and then the, the players want to come or the team loses a bunch of games and they make a change of head coach and they want to play for the new head coach. So there's a lot of different factors that'll roll into that. Um, we got, Oh, I'm sorry. If you had something, Coach, I, I got one last question. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. One last question. We got a text sort of along the recruiting lines. Uh, hey, Ryan and team, my son is 13 and plays in the Snoop League. So many teams barely have enough players. How is USC going to survive when parents in California won't allow their kids to play football? This is from Justin in the Crenshaw area. And just kind of on the Curtis question from before, we're seeing, you know, the the power high school is still doing great, you know, uh, modern day and, and Crenshaw. I mean, not, well, Crenshaw, he's, he's from Crenshaw area, but, you know, uh, St. John Bosco and, and programs like that. But I don't know, maybe the numbers and some of the other smaller programs are going to go down if we're seeing, you know, uh, fewer people playing in some of these different leagues. But what are your thoughts on all that, coach, with, uh, you know, maybe fewer overall, the, the high end of the sport still doing well, but fewer overall just players out there playing football well i think it is a concern uh because of that uh safety is the number one thing that people think of but again i think it comes down to the school district and the philosophy of the school district go out to corona okay check out norco corona centennial all those schools out there my goodness they have great uh, public school programs they're not uh, private schools why? Because the school district cares, and the coaching staff cares, and the principal cares. And people care about the education, but they also care about uh, their football and athletic programs. And I think in a lot of districts, you don't hear people talking about that. They don't even have full-time coaches. They have guys that walk on, and nothing against them, but those guys without them, who would be coaching? Nobody. But the PE departments used to be loaded with coaches that became principals and teacher, uh, teachers in other departments were coaches at the same time. And kids could talk with their coaches during the day, not wait till practice to start at 4 or 5 in the afternoon because the coach doesn't get off of work. And kids can't wait that long. they got to get home. and It's dark before they go home. There's so many different reasons. Let's just don't blame it on the safety part of it. And kids are having to buy 
sometimes their own equipment, I mean, their own shoes, all these type of things. Why? Why? You're buying computers. You're trying to do all the different things of having a great education. Why not support the athletic department, both male and female? Why not? Why not make it a priority where these kids can, through their athletic ability, get a scholarship? Academically, they can get a scholarship. Athletically, they can get a scholarship, too. Why persecute the kid that, that is an athlete and he doesn't have the same type of uh, teacher or expert in his field that other fields have? So I think it goes back to the superintendents. It goes back to all the people that are in those big plush offices with all the administration that they have. I think it's time that you focus, too, on everybody, not just the computer whiz or the guys that are going to be doctors and lawyers. And I think that's great. We need them. I think also the kids, too, have an opportunity that uh, may be great athletes, and they, too, need to have the opportunities of, of the school districts buying their uniforms, buying the things that are necessary, having grass on their field, not dirt on their field having nice stands, encouraging people to go to their schools, encourage kids to go out for be the song uh, group uh, as far as cheerleaders and everything else. Hey, we don't see that anymore. And why do kids uh, uh, dropping out? Because they don't see that. They transfer to schools where they can get that. So uh, I think it goes back. When you look at certain school districts, you go to Fresno and you look at the Clovis schools, Clovis East, Clovis West, and all these schools. Hey, those districts care about their athletic programs. That's why they have 140 people out for football. I mean, uh, let's let's grow up, people. Let's find out that there is a should be an educational opportunity for everyone, and the athletic department or the dropping of PE and not needing to exercise and all those things are not as important as they should be. Remember, you exercise all your life if you want to stay fit and live for a long time, and a lot of the things you're learning in the classroom becomes outdated in 15 years or sooner. So I'm trying I'm probably giving a lecture to uh, people that agree with, but I'd, I'd go before any school board. I would tell them this. I'm not one that hides my feelings, but I've seen a decline in this area where it shouldn't happen. And I don't think it should be that way. Yeah. Uh, we'll see coach. It's definitely uh a hot topic and people are concerned about that, but uh, you know, we, we haven't seen it at the recruiting level as far as covering the major programs. It's not like there's a lack of players going there. Um, but you know, just maybe, you know, fewer players, maybe they're going to play soccer or something, which, which is weird because I think soccer has higher, uh, concussion rates than football does, (laughs) but, but you don't really hear about that as much. You always hear about the football ones, but I I always hear that like there's, it's a real problem in soccer, but I, I don't know why, but they just don't, Maybe because football is way more violent. They talk about that. Um, but, it's yeah, that's kind of interesting to me. No, they they talk about it in soccer. In fact, in the next year or two, you're going to see soccer players wearing helmets. Oh, really? You're going to see it happen. Uh-huh. You're going to see that happen. There's going to be a rule here shortly where they have to wear them. Uh, you know, they practice by uh, hitting the ball. How many times a, a practice with their head? Not only in the games, but just during practice. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, they're going to be a. a but then you couldn't do headers, bit. right? Like then you couldn't head the ball. Well, I don't know, but that maybe they have some uh, type of helmet that you can do that. I don't. Yeah. I don't know, but that but, would be uh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it, it would be. I think that's that's something that's coming, like anything else. Yeah. All right. Well, coach, great stuff. Um, interesting topics and stuff. I, I love the discipline talk and uh, hearing what you think about that. Uh, if you if you guys liked. 
hearing what you think about discipline, you have different thoughts, make sure you email us podcast at uscfootball.com. But thanks again, coach. We'll uh, talk to you again next week. Hey, Ryan, thank you very much. And for all of you out there, remember, you asked me a question, I give you the answer. And it's, uh, I appreciate you all listening and so on. It's just the way I would do it, okay, yeah. and how I see it. So thanks, Ryan, and everybody out there. Buckle up, be safe. All right. Thank you, Coach, and everyone out there. Thank you so much for listening to the Peristyle Podcast. We will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.